is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Uh, what's the old 96er? Oh, that's our world-famous Paul Bunyan's Blue Ox Steak. It is a 96-ounce prime-aged beef steak. And if you or any member of your party orders the old 96er and finishes, everybody eats for free. Ah. <laughs> bad, huh? Want to go for it, girls? <laughs> How about you, Chet? People seem to like that. Yeah. I'll try it. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, uh, seriously, though, has anybody ever eaten one? Oh, oh, no. No, not in my lifetime, no. You think the old 96er is big and bad? Wait till you hear this latest and greatest episode of 80s Revisited as we continue our celebration of Jonathan, I don't know his middle name, Candy. First name's not Jonathan either. Anyway, we're talking about the great outdoors this week here on 80s Revisited. I, of course, am your host, Trey Harris. With me, as always, a little bit under the weather today, so we're not going to hear too much of him. So you guys are kind of stuck with, guys and girls are kind of stuck with me today. The uh, outdoors to my greatness, haha, <laughs> wink, wink. Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. See, doesn't that so, yeah, sound Jesse's different? Not feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can tell, Jesse's a little under the weather, but hey, he's here. You know, so yeah. everybody, let's give a you know, not if you're driving, but let's give a round of applause for Jesse for waking up out of his sickness to help produce this episode. <laughs> so yeah, the great outdoors, our second film uh, for November, celebrating the life and times of the gr- late great. John Candy, although spoiler alert, I wouldn't call this a great outdoors. I'd call it the the okay outdoors. But let's get into it, everybody. This released June seventeenth, nineteen eighty eight. IMDb gives it a six point six, little high to me. Rotten Tomatoes forty four. Uh, audience, however, seventy. I'm kind of right in between that. Well, I guess a six point six is kind of between that. So I'm a little less than in between that, <laughs> between those two. But uh, the budget twenty four million estimated opened with six point one million. Not too bad for an eighties film. However. That was good enough to land it in the number three spot. Number one, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Red Heat was number one. And number two for the third week, or third week in release, I should say, Tom Hanks' is Big, uh, which I did see that one in the theater. Did see The Great Outdoors in the theater, uh, but did see Big in the theater. Uh, and always wanted a Zoltar machine. Every time I, I've seen one, I think maybe twice in my life out in the wild, so to speak. I, no, I, think like I saw one that was actually the same kind of machine. But then it had a different name. It was like the Great Whatever or something. It wasn't Zoltar or Zoltan. I can't remember which one it is in the movie. And then there was another one that was a different dressed, you know, robot fortune teller. But but it had the right name. But none of them had the thing where you had to put the coin to where it would roll into the mouth, like in the movie. Which I thought was like, oh, that's the coolest part. You know, it's kind of the video game part of it. No, these were just you know, you put in your you know fifty cents or I think it was a dollar because it was in fucking Gatlinburg, Tennessee. You know, tourist trap, and uh, it just prints you out a fortune. But the fortune, you know, said like, you know, Voltar or again, I can't Zoltar, whatever the name was of the damn thing. I'm drawing a blank uh, was in the movie, you know, says and kind of like it was in the movie. So it was a cool little souvenir kind of thing worth the dollar that I put in. But anyway, enough about Tom Hanks. He's still around making movies. Uh, unfortunately, John Candy isn't. But uh, Great Outdoors would go on to domestically gross forty one point four million domestically and another couple of million for a worldwide total of forty three point four million. Couldn't find any info on rentals. But based on some of the trivia that we'll get into later, it made a it 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 was rented a lot. Uh, not by me, but more on that when we get to the thoughts and feelings, which we've we're kind of always about. <laughs> we don't really have a section for it. We just talk. I just talk about it anyway. Directed by Howard Ditch, uh, he also he's a veteran of the podcast. He did Pretty in Pink and one of my favorite football movies, The Replacements with Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman. If you haven't seen that one, check it out. It's really really good. Uh, a lot better than this movie, but. Uh, We'll get there. <laughs> Written by John Hughes. Of course, a major, major vet- veteran of any 80s podcast. Uh, as far as a writer, National Lampoon's Vacation, European Vacation, Christmas Vacation, Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, Home Alone, and the film that's rounding out the month, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Cinematographer mm-hmm. was Rick Waite. Uh, he also, he's a veteran of the podcast because he did Red Dawn and Cobra, and also the, you know, eventually to be covered on the podcast, Adventures in Babysitting. Uh, of course, starring... Late great John Candy is Chet. Uh, already mentioned all the numerous films he's been in, uh, but if you forgot, you know, Cool Runnings, Home Alone, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, what did we do last week? Armed and Dangerous. <laughs> Jerry Crone. That was the next. Uh, Arms and Dangerous. But last week was uh, Armed. Last week was Armed and Dangerous. But who's Harry Crumb? And I'm sorry, Jesse. I was talking over you. What was that? Oh, I was saying Armed and Dangerous. 
Oh, yeah. gotcha. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and Dan Aykroyd uh, as his brother-in-law Roman. Of course, Dan Aykroyd. You know he is Ghostbusters one, Ghostbusters two, Blues Brothers, uh, Trading Places. Uh, hint, hint, coming up soon because uh, it's tis the season, so to speak, <laughs> after Thanksgiving. Even though we pretty much got all of our Christmas decorations up here, but not the Christmas tree. Uh, and also in her first film role, which actually was the biggest, most shocking thing about this film to me, what this is that this was Annette Benning's very first movie. Honestly, I thought I could have, not that I've seen her filmography or anything, but I would have guessed she started in the 70s, just uh, if I had to guess. But yeah, 88, 1988 was her first, her, was when Annette Benning debuted in film. Uh, of course, she was also in American President, uh, or Un American President. Uh, American Beauty, Mars Attacks, and shoehorn completely into uh, the MCU in Captain Marvel as the Supreme Intelligence, which if you know what that thing looks like in the comics, she looks nothing like it. But uh, that's neither here nor there because this isn't an MCU podcast. Robert Prosky was Wally. He's uh, he's a late, great character actor. Uh, the, the second he came on the screen, he's like, I know this guy, but he has a beard. And then after I thought about it for another couple of seconds, he's the uh, the old gentleman in the uh, the television owner or producer in Mrs. Doubtfire that gives uh, Robin Williams his own show. And he's the one in the bar at the end where he's, you know, the climax of Mrs. Doubtfire where he's running back and forth between the tables. But he was also in Christine and uh, the classic Michael Mann film, which I will get to want uh, on the podcast. I think it's a great movie, Thief. Uh, Stephanie Farasi, um, I That's just how I pronounce her last name. Uh, it's Connie, John Candy's wife. She was in Sideways with uh, Paul Giamatti and uh, Lyle from Wings. I forget his name right now. <laughs> I can see his face and everything he's been in, but I can't think of his name. Uh, but also, she's done a ton, a ton of television. Uh, John Bloom, not Joe Bob Briggs, but uh, the gentleman who we spoke of a couple weeks ago, who was in Hills Have Eyes 2, was in this film as Jimbo. And he was also in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which... Honestly, the Star Trek movies uh, of the original cast is honestly one of my favorite because it's got this. It's got a bad. I think it's got one of the coolest, most badass moments Captain Kirk ever did. Because uh, like the Klingon ship can fire while cloaked, I think is like the big thing in the climax of it. And they figure out how to track it when it fires, and they fire it, and then like it says a dramatic zoom in to Captain Kirk, and he's like fire, and they blow up the bird of prey. It's badass, and Sulu's like has this Sulu has, Sulu's a, probably the one of the most badass Sulu moments too in Star Trek. Where like he's like flying in his ship because he's a captain now, which deservedly so because he saved the Enterprise more times than Kirk practically. Uh, but uh, he's like flying a ship and like we can't get there, sir. We're not going to make it. It'll fall apart. He's like fire apart then. I'm like hell yes, yeah, Sulu. He's a he, he, Sulu's my captain. Uh, anyway, but I do like Star Trek Six. I usually it's one that kind of gets forgotten because everybody gushes and you know climaxes over part f- uh, four. Yeah, for the voyage home, which mm. personally I don't fucking like that one. Honest, I'm again. I, am I a big Star Trek fan? No, I'm a Next Generation fan for sure, more than I am the OG Star Trek. But don't care for Star Trek Four personally. I mean, they're going to save fucking whales. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I, I just don't like it. I thought it was. I, I saw I saw it in the theater. Now, the cold part of Spock walking around giving people the bird. Yeah, that's funny. They kind of did that without the vulgarity in the original series when they went back to like. I don't know if it was our earth or, you know, the past, but they were like in mob days or something. Again, not a big Star Trek fan. Don't crucify me for this. Uh, but, you know, God, wow. How many? Oh, that's like eight tangents. We're not even through the cast yet. <laughs> anyway, back to the cast and rounding out the cast. Arguably, I'd say maybe the fourth biggest star in this film after Candy Aykroyd and Annette Benning, Bart the Bear as the bald headed bear. Bart the Bear. I want to I want to take a, I wanna, We're going to go on a pre- uh, plan tangent here to talk a little bit about Bart the Bear, who really, in, as far as far as animal actors go, oh, you got Lassie, you got Benji, uh, the dog from you know uh, the Mask, I think was in a couple of things, several things, uh, you know, mainly dogs. But Bart the Bear is probably the uh, the Daniel Day Lewis of animal actors. Uh, Bart the Bear, I think he was a Kodiak. Um, uh, he was a grizzly or a Kodiak. I should have wrote that down. I wrote down everything except his exact species. <laughs> But uh, I mean, he was he was if there was a bear in a movie in the 80s until the until pretty much he died. It was probably Bart the Bear, uh, a, a legitimate animal actor. He was in The Bear, which was a huge hit when it came out in the 80s. Saw that one in the theater. I remember as a kid, like crying in the theater when the mama bear dies. 
because like a rock falls on her head or something, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not like gory or anything, but if you've seen the bear, you know what I mean. Uh, she was in the uh, he was in the edge with uh, Alec the Killer Baldwin and Hannibal Lecter, and also Legends of the Fall and reteamed with Brad Pitt again in Twelve Monkeys. So Bart the Bear has had a huge thing, and he was a, thank you Jesse. He's a male Alaskan Kodiak bear, not a grizzly. He's a Kodiak, uh, but a very like honestly again like seriously like he's the he is the the peak of animal actors in my opinion. He was on a lot of he was on tons of stuff. He's a very extensive IMDb page for a for an animal actor. Uh, unfortunately, he did die of cancer in 2000, and he actually was a quote spokes bear for the Vital Ground Foundation, which procures threatened wildlife habitat along the Rocky Mountains in Alaska and the Gobi Desert, where he was from. Alaska, not the Gobi Desert. Uh, and the bear was kind of his big, big hit. It was a big hit everywhere, really. It was a hit in, in the uh, U.S. and Europe, grossed over $31 million and over $100 million worldwide, and reportedly resulted in an, a push for an Oscar—excuse uh, <clears throat> oh, me, sorry— uh, an Oscar nomination for Bart, which was unable to go forward because animal actors are precluded from receiving Academy Awards. All right, woke people, get even woker. Justice for Bart the Bear, posthumous Oscar for Bart the Bear. We're starting this campaign right now. Hashtag uh, Bart the Bear. I don't know. I don't know how the hashtags <laughs> work. However, that, however that goes. But yeah, because uh, I mean, you know, they, they don't even. Academy is such a bunch of stuck up assholes. Sorry, I, I, no, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry, because I'm never gonna get. I'm never gonna be a member of that because I'm a podcast host, not an actor. Although, you know, I would love to be a bad actor in a D grade movie. Mm. I would, I would excel. You know, I'm not. I, I can't. I can't even be. I'm not. I'm not putting myself in Bruce Campbell's camp of B movie. I'm not even gonna do C D movie. I'm your man. Mm. Call me up. D movie acting. I'm all over it. Yep. You know, whatever, whatever the raspberries are for D or the Oscars are for D movie. I think I could get a best supporting, just saying. <laughs> but anyway, uh, where was I? Uh, yeah, so you know, Andy Serkis couldn't even get a nomination as Gollum, even though he was pretty much motion capturing and talking. He did act it out. He just wasn't what you technically, physically saw on screen. So yeah, you know, I mean, I understand the quote unquote politics of giving an animal actor an Oscar nom, but I mean, there was a legitimate push for it because that's how good of a performance it was. And the, the bear is a really, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, I don't know if I, ch- I want my daughter to see it as young as I saw it when it came out. Cause you know, it's, it's kind of sad and you know, there's a lot of things you don't kind of understand as a kid about it, but it was a very, you know, really good movie for what it was back in the 86, if I had to guess or 88, sorry, same year as this movie. So Bart had a busy year in 88. Uh, so yeah, if you want to hear the bear on the podcast, uh, send us an email or contact us somewhere. Or uh, on one of the other, not somewhere. And you know where to contact this because I'll go over it at the end. Uh, anyway, uh, but Bart died in 2000 of cancer, as I mentioned. And it's really sad. Uh, but after he got his diagnosis, he served as a spokesbearer for the Animal Cancer Center. Uh, but kind of the background of his diagnosis, this is a sad part. In October 98, he was diagnosed with cancer and he underwent surgery twice to remove tumors from his right paw. But the cancer recurred. And it took away his strength and his appetite and to where he wouldn't eat the pain medication. He wouldn't take it. So he was, you know, obviously suffering. And he was euthanized on May 10th, 2000 at the age of 23. So just thought I wanted to bring that up because that's kind of a, you know, we, we recognize dogs in movies, you know, mostly because that's usually, I guess, dogs are among some of the more trainable animals. I'm guessing I'm not an animal expert. Just saying, I mean, like you're going to train a fucking shark, you know what I'm saying? So. Uh, you know, a lot of, oh, that's about to say, it looks like, that looks like the same dog from this, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, if there was a bear in a movie from pretty much the eighties to 2000, it was most likely Bart the bear. And he deserves that recognition. Even if he is a, a fucking bear, get over it. If you don't fucking, you know, care about Bart the bear, he's a fucking movie star. We're not, unless you're a movie star listening to this podcast, in which case give us a, drop us a line. We'll do an interview. There you go. Okay. Enough, drop that enough email. shameless eighties <laughs> visit at Gmail. Dot com. There you go. All right, enough shameless promotion. Great outdoors. Oh, also uh, on the agenda. Past episode, leading into Candy Month and last episode, uh, when we started Candy Month, I could not remember the email of the gentleman who mentioned it. Uh. That's because it was a Facebook message <laughs> on the post that Ben Wyatt made. Uh, so the letterbox link, which is now pinned to the top of our page for every movie we've ever covered – up until I think uh, a couple episodes ago is on there. And that's where it was uh, Mike Hastings 
and I do believe, according to Facebook, Michael, if I can call you Michael, today mm. is your birthday. So happy mm. birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm not going to be too favorable of the great outdoors because you said you loved it. <laughs> but hey, that you know it, that's what opinions are for, to f- have fun and talk about it. Uh, but let me go ahead and read. Uh, when Ben posted that, Mike said, this is fantastic. I went through the list of flicks and noticed that one of my all-time favorites has yet to be reviewed, the great John Hughes flick, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. In fact, even if you guys did a John Candy month and add Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, and Armed and Dangerous, which are exactly the ones we did or are doing, because uh, those are the... I mean, I, I did debate between Armed and Dangerous and Harry Crumb, but I remember seeing Armed and Dangerous and liking it, so I went with that one, uh, which he recommended. So he actually pretty much this, Mike, this is your birthday. Congratulations. The whole month is for Mike. This is Mike Hastings slash John. Actually, no, you get second billing, Mike. This is John Candy slash Mike Hastings month. So happy birthday from your two friends at 80s Revisited. Happy birthday. Uh, but yeah, he was the one that did mention it. And like I said before, you know, I've been wanting to do planes, trains, automobiles for a while. Just, uh, but I ha- that's one you have to do around Thanksgiving because it is a Thanksgiving movie. I mean, of course, you can do it anytime, but you know, we like to just like we like it when movies release when they need to. For example, The Great Outdoors, a summer movie releasing in the summer. Good job. We like to be relevant when we cover the movies to make it a little more fun, a little more interesting, a little more seasonal, so to speak, quote unquote. Uh, and then he posted uh, on our post announcing the that the episode for Candy Month, Garn uh, and Dangerous, was coming, and he put a. Uh, Arm and Dangerous is great. Hope you have plane trains, automobiles, as well as great outdoors lined up. Uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on, on the Candyman films. Candy Spaceman, not Tony Todd or the new one. Uh, although we did talk about that a few weeks ago. Uh, so, yeah. So, Mike, yeah. Mike Hastings is the one who brought this back into my, uh, from my subconscious, into reality. Made this, made this happen. Uh, in basically a perfect time. Perfect timing, Mike. Perfect timing in getting this out. So, yeah. So, the last two episodes, when I could not remember... The individual who prompted this, Mike Hastings, is the one to thank for Candyman. So, Mike, happy birthday. Not sure I'll jar. Enjoy it. It's your day. Although, you won't hear this till Friday. So, belated happy birthday, Mike. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, great outdoors. Now, about my thoughts on it. Uh, and I know Je- Jesse, you know, I'll kind of, sp- I'll take the liberty of speaking for Jesse here because it's been approved. I would never speak for somebody unless I had permission because mm. uh, his voice is hurting. Uh, we want to let him rest up so next week we can talk about Dune finally. Because uh, I did see it, Jesse, by the way. All right. uh, so, uh, sorry. <laughs> Isn't it funny how things just work out? Yeah. Um, but uh, Jesse didn't see this one, so I'll kind of just take the lead, as unfortunately, usually, <laughs> I tend to do sometimes. Uh, excuse me, am I kidding? 90% of the time. Uh, but The Great Outdoors, you know, I as a kid, I did, I had a much more favorable opinion of this movie. Uh, not that I think that it's more funny or uh, it's more entertaining for a kid. I just it was more funny as a kid to me than as an adult. Watching it today for probably the excuse me third time or yesterday, watching it yesterday for uh, what I think my probably the third time ever ever watching it. I was I was honestly I was a little disappointed in this revisit because like I just remembered like liking this movie a lot more and being more much more entertained. Um, Definitely, you know, I would put it right there with Armed and Dangerous. Uh, I put it a little higher because of the caliber of talent in this one, as opposed, not that Eugene Levy and Meg Ryan are not as funny as Dan Aykroyd or Annette Bening, but I think the uh, the chemistry, you know, Dan Aykroyd is playing his best kind of uh, Waldorf, I think, was I can't remember his name from Trading Places, but when he was, before he got humbled on the street in Trading Places, Dan Aykroyd does a really great, rich, snob job to where you just you don't like him at all uh although of course in this one you know you understand why that is you know not that he, not say he's a bad actor at, by any stretch of imagination i love dan Aykroyd, but he does a great job of being kind of that slimy salesman which he did on snl too he has some look up his snl skits where he's like selling stuff like uh there's a great i don't know the name of the skit but he's selling kids toys he's like yeah i got this new kids toy uh, it's called bag of glass he's a he's great it's a great old school snl skit look that up uh funny but uh dan Aykroyd is a great like he's a great slime ball character to play but there's a, that redemption arc in this he does that uh which works out really good and of course john candy well john candy again is kind of again reduced like an arm and dangerous to they're trying to make him a straight man but he has some his one there that you have to see like a yeah, bag of glass <laughs> we're watching it on youtube right now it's candace bergen as the co-host uh 
So yeah, if you actually if you just search Dan Aykroyd bag of glass on YouTube as Jesse did, it'll yeah, pop right up. Great yeah, skit. You know, it's, it's Dan Aykroyd's great glass, at like I mean, uh, being you know, slimy and pompous, well, but also <laughs> funny. Uh, but anyway, John Candy, this one, he's, I, I do I think understand. it's I really hard because when I mean, you have such big comedic talents together, again, just like you did with Arm Dangerous, to where, you know, as we'll see the difference, the diff- we're going to see a big difference next week in Uncle Buck because it's just John Candy. He is the sole lead. You could say he's a solely armed dangerous too, but the way it's written, I mean, it's it's equally, you know, Eugene Levy has a, as big of a part as he does, whereas Uncle Buck is all candy. Paint Lane Trains and Automobiles is the exception. We'll get on that at the end of the month after uh, around Thanksgiving, of course. But that's Steve Martin. I mean, Tim Steve Martin. Oh, well, I got to save it for then. Let me let me save it for then. Let's talk about right out. Let me stay focused here. Too much on the brain. But uh, anyway, great outdoors. Like I said, it's there's nothing necessarily bad about it, but there's to me, there's nothing great about it. And that's that's kind of where it stands for me looking at it today, revisiting it. Again, like it wasn't like a nostalgic classic to me, like Uncle Buck. Like I watched Uncle saw Uncle Buck in the theaters, saw it numerous times, always thought it was hilarious. That was kind of Uncle Buck was a movie that endeared me to John Candy as a kid. Uh that's the that's the earliest one I can really think of that just struck me as like, oh John Candy, he's so great, he's so funny. Uh this one again, I, I, I probably honestly I probably saw this after Uncle Buck, if I had to guess. Probably because of John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. Oh, it's the dude from Ghostbusters in it. As a, you know, again, as an eight-year-old kid, because I believe Uncle Buck came out eight, the same year or right after this, if I remember correctly. But I'm horrible with dates, so let's not hold me to that. But I'm sure one of those is correct. So, what does that say? Two eighty-eight, eighty-nine. It's so tiny, I can't read it. <laughs> is that eighty-nine, it's, Jesse? It's eighty-nine. So. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I could. Uh, my eyes aren't that good looking at it on Discord. Uh, yeah, so right after, so right after this one, it was a uh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it was his, his film after this was Uncle Buck, and I think that was probably it. I think Uncle Buck might be might have been his breakthrough movie. At least it was for me. But again, look at the cover. His name is at the top. It's all about him, and I think he really he he does he he does, he's good and armed and dangerous. Don't get me wrong, he's great in this. His one liners and his sly like under his breath kind of comments to Dan Aykroyd are great and funny, and to his wife too. <laughs> <laughs> he says some really bad things, uh, you know, but in a love in a lovable way, as best can be described. God, that hair, Dan Aykroyd's hairline. I mean, that's like a deep V. Wow. I'm not, not that I should talk. I mean, at least mine's in the back, unfortunately. Uh, but anyway, I think not picking on you, Dan. Like love that, you, today. right? Yeah, I mean, hey, he didn't lose <laughs> any more than that. That's a that's a great thing. It's still thick. I wish mine was. You know, I, I can lose a little, but just let it stay thick. Instead, it's thinning and then. Thing a little too bit in certain places, but anyway, that's that's called getting old, folks. Because born in the eighties, but anyway, uh, yeah. So again, I would call it the 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 good or the the decent outdoors. I wouldn't call it the great outdoors. Still, it's worth watching, uh, revisiting for sure. If you haven't seen it when you were a kid, I did go into it though with my expectations being and memory being holding it as being a lot funnier than it actually is. But it's kind of in that, like I think you, you said last week, Jesse with Arm Dangerous, that TV movie kind of caliber. Yeah. And you know, not that it looked. This is well shot. It's well done. They're, technically, it's I wouldn't say it's bad. It's it's definitely '80s looking in terms of like you know the the color palette, the the lighting and everything, and some all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's just you know it, it's worth you know you watching like okay I don't need to watch it again for another ten years, twenty mm-hmm. years maybe who knows. But you know in the oeuvre of John Candy, this is definitely not. It's mid range. It's mid mid range candy. It's like in the, in the scale of candy. Like for me, Smarties and Jujubees are probably my favorite candy. You know, at the bottom you got all those nasty, disgusting Halloween candies like candy corn. In the middle you got like I don't know. What would, you, what would I put in the middle? Uh, the strawberry flavor in Runts. Mm. That's in the middle. I love Runts, but I always hated the strawberry ones. You know what? Yeah. I can't find Runts anywhere in California. If you know where to get Runts in California, please let me know because I do love Runts. But you can't – I swear to God, I have not seen them anywhere in years, it seems like. But also the funny uh, thing is okay. I do think they took the strawberry out of runts because the last time I got some runts, I don't remember seeing strawberries in them because I would always eat runts. And I would like – I always like – you know, if I saw a strawberry, I would always make sure I had like an apple or a banana to pair it with <laughs> so that it just kind of cut the taste of the strawberry run a little bit. I like the strawberry ones. Oh, well, Jesse, every time I get some runts – <laughs> I will save you the strawberry ones. I will take them out for you. Yeah. In fact, in fact, when we do our uh, Qatar, oh yeah. By the way, shout out to everybody in Qatar, <laughs> where we are like the number what 
eighth podcast in Qatar. <laughs> there you go. So shout out to everybody in Qatar. I should learn an Arabic greeting to say, <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure it's just some some of our uh, service men and women on an army base. If I had to guess, <laughs> based hey, on, based on what I've seen. It does, but based on what I've seen in the news about that region, I, I'm pretty sure that might be who it is. <laughs> Just based on what we're getting over here. But hey, if, if you're listening in Qatar, let us know, please. Let us know what this, you know, how'd you come across us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Love to give you a shout out, and thank you for listening. Uh, anyway, we talked about candy. Yeah, this mid-range candy for me again, not trashing on it, not bad, not great. So that's where I, you know, straight midline. My, you know, it's there, especially. When you look at the the key comedies of the '80s, for example, Ghostbusters, Three Amigos, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, I just had an, oh, I was thinking, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, Christmas Vacation. European is, yeah, I think that's the weakest of, of when it was a trilogy. The weakest of the trilogy, you know, Beetlejuice, The Burbs, uh, some really, really big, big comedies that I think hold up incredibly well today. Uh, for example, Three Amigos is one of my favorite comedy movies of all time. It is it, I, I want a sequel to that so bad. They need to do it now. Elon Musk, you got a three hundred billion dollars, <laughs> and like you're about to have to pay a big tax bill on like December first or something because of some shit I don't understand. Tell you what, the Eighties Revisited Movie Fund needs a ten billion dollar donation <laughs> to make true sequels to some of the greatest movies of the Eighties, such as Three Amigos. Uh, so we can get short Arden and Chase, Chevy Chase, all back in it. Get a good screenwriter. We'll get uh, we'll get Dennis Villeneuve to direct it. <laughs> oh God! And you know it'll be it'll be a visual epic. So yeah, Elon, you know, donate. You know, because if you donate, you, don't, you know that comes off your taxes, man. Help us fund a Dream Pit movie. <laughs> uh, what would you call? Maybe it should be the. Uh, let's see. Oh, no, those, I didn't again. I didn't take Spanish. Is it? Cuatro? Cuatro is four, right? Yeah, sounds right. The uh, Cuatro Amigos, then we add like, you know, Leslie Jones or somebody in there. You know, <laughs> put in a uh, female comedian in there. There you go. To go with them. So, you know, there's ways to make, or they're kids, you know, or, or like or these kids, or these kids, I think, okay, here's here's my pitch for the Three Amigos sequel. It's some it's some kids, you know, in, you know, in the current Santa Poco. And uh, they're like, you know, they they see like, you know, the town, the old people in the town from long ago, you know, of course, generations past. It's like Tombstone. You know, mm-hmm. they're still like, this is where the three amigos made their stand against El Guapo. And the current drug lord in the area is a descendant of El Guapo. <laughs> so he's like running the area. And then it's like, you know, we need help. What <laughs> the? There's a, I'm, my house is not on fire, but there's a, I swear. <laughs> There's a lot of fucking houses in this neighborhood, and I'll hear the truck coming, but they will not hit the fucking siren until they're in front of our house. <laughs> and like, but and, and I'm talking like at night when Violet's asleep, so it's like, oh, oh, good, she's asleep. Let's go. Not that it wakes her up. It's just I just find it comical. But yeah, anyway, so there, there's you know, um, this movie writes itself. <laughs> so you know, then like, but then like, it kind of starts off like I heard the three amigos were you know again I do not speak Spanish you know massive you know. Uh, Mucho banditos, they were super awesome. And then, like, it cuts like Danny Trejo. It, it cuts like different actors, like as the kids are telling the story, like about what uh, their version of the Three Amigos. And actually, mm-hmm. no, actually, I take it back. The one when it, when Danny Trejo comes in, it's like I heard it was not Three Amigos, but it was one amigo. And it's like it's basically machete. So it's like that's <laughs> how so we get Danny Trejo in there as like and like no, no, it was three. I've heard of them. They were American. Uh, what are they gringos that you know came over and then like. It like pans over and like it's like a because of you know I guess not gentrification but you know it, it, the actual three amigos are sitting at a Starbucks like wow and then maybe we should you know then there's just like a push for like them to come back or something and as as they are their current age they have to do something about a drug kingpin I don't know we can work out the details <laughs> later but there you go I mean it writes itself in fact it, just with that setup Martin Chase and uh, who am I forgetting short. Jesus, I uh, came up a little short there. Uh, they could just improvise the whole movie from there and just go with it. Just do it. <laughs> Full I'm telling you, improv. <laughs> exact uh, with with yeah. that with those dudes. Maybe not Chevy. Uh, no offense, Chevy. 
you're the least funny of the three currently. <laughs> in, ter- in terms of your resume, if I had to pick Martin Short, uh, oh, uh, Martin Short is such is Martin. He really, uh, no, I take it back. I have to put Martin Chase Short. Not really? Chevy. Chevy Chase has a lot of movies, but he he had a he was a lead in a lot of movies, but not a lot. Of what I would consider entertaining. I like Martin, Martin Short better than Chevy Chase, but, but if, in terms of film. Martin Short always tends to be like a supporting. But if you're doing improv, actor. I think Martin Short. Oh, Martin Short, is, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, ab- yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In terms of film, I have you know I don't like to put Chase above him, but in terms of just films, I have to put Chase above him. But anything else, I won't see Martin and Martin Short. Which they have a great special on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, I hope it's still up there. But they have a great show. They're they have such chemistry together. That alone is worthwhile uh, for them. Uh, so check that out if you haven't seen it. So, and okay, I get, big tangent again, everybody. I completely <laughs> forgot where how we got on that, but yeah, I think that's enough of the great outdoors. <laughs> we talked. Oh, uh, eighty comedy. Okay, I, I'm I'm back to one. Yeah, uh, as I've proven, I think rather well. You know, there's so many iconic '80s comedies. This one doesn't have the comedic moments to stand up to the heavyweights this is a i'm not a boxing fan i know heavyweight and that's it i guess a cruiserweight is that or is that wrestling is that boxing and wrestling or is that just wrestling i think that's wrestling welterweight welterweight i don't know you know the not the uh let's see you have heavyweight lightweight whatever's under lightweight i would say that's the rank of this comedy in terms of 80s comedies again just my opinion if you what is it (laughs) flyweight yeah, flyweight, flyweight, <laughs> flyweight comedic champion of the eighties. Uh, that sounds a little too weak. Uh, well, that, that's above it, actually. Oh, in that case, okay, flyweight, <laughs> flyweight champion. We'll go with that. But yeah, and again, everybody, just remember: if you like, if you think this movie is the funniest damn movie you've ever seen, you are correct. You are correct. Remember, we're just talking about it. If you love this movie, if you hate it, that's awesome. Because I'll tell you right now. In this day and age that we're living in, fan cultures are so extreme and so, and basically just a bunch of assholes, uh, online at least, to where you know we can't have anything good anymore because, oh, you know, there. If you don't like a movie, here, here's Uncle Trey giving you some advice, everybody, to the younger ones listening. Although I doubt any younger people are listening to this. I don't want to hear this Gen Xer yell at the clouds. Uh, <laughs> Well, remember, you know, it's okay. It's okay to love a movie if nobody else does. And it's also okay to hate a movie if nobody else does. I haven't seen Eternals, but, you know, people, and before it came out, before nobody had seen it, oh, people are hating on it because it's diverse. Oh, people are hating on it because of this. Or people are loving it because it's so, it's such a stupid argument. If you like a movie, that is awesome. I love Van Damme Street Fighter. That movie, it is a terrible movie, but it is so fucking good. Oh my God, it's so good. And that's cool. If you completely disagree, that's cool too. Just remember everybody, when you're talking to people, especially online, you know, it's okay for people to think that Halloween Kills was the best Halloween movie, even though they are absolutely fucking wrong. Because <laughs> let's be honest, you can't say it's a better movie than the first one. However, yes, you can. That's your opinion. You're entitled to it. Be proud of your opinion and stick with it. But my advice is, you know, whether you disagree or disagree with people's opinions, give reasoning why. That is the key to, you know, having a fun debate about the worthiness or the the goodness or badness of a film or a movie or a game or anything is the ability to actually have a conversation about not, not just like that shit sucked. Well, that was stupid. Why was it stupid? And we're all guilty of it sometimes. You know, sometimes it's just shorthand, like on the podcast. I'm sure I've done that before. I try to remember to explain things to give like some background to it. So it's not just like, oh, this motherfucker hates everything or he hates this thing. No, if I don't like something, I feel like I can give a good reasoning why, or at least why I don't. But again, remember everybody, that's just me. If you agree, cool. If not, hey, let's talk about it. Visited gmail.com. You know, I'm not, I've changed my opinions on several movies uh, on this podcast. Many times, and hopefully other people have too. Or maybe you found a movie from the podcast that like, oh, I remember being stupid and you watched it and you kind of liked it. There's all shapes and sizes in the in this world. So 
I just feel like I, I don't know why. I guess I just inadvertently stepped up on a soapbox right there when I didn't mean yeah. to. But let me, uh, let me. Whoa, it's kind of high. Let me climb down this ladder. Okay, back on the ground. <laughs> okay, public service announcement over. Respect everybody's opinion and be able to su- and be able to support your own. Is my advice in a nutshell. So yeah, trivia about this film. Not really too much. That's very exciting. A uh, few things. We'll get to it right here. Uh, this was the third film that John Hughes wrote and Howard Deutsch. Or I assume it's du- it's D E U T C H. Deutsch. I don't know if that's Deutsch. Yeah. As in you know Deutschland because it's spelled the same. I don't know. I just said I'll, I'll, I'll go with speak of the Deutsch. Uh, Howard Deutsch. Uh, the other two movies I mentioned. One of them I mentioned was Pretty in Pink, which is on the podcast. But they also worked together on some kind of wonderful, which I think had Leah Thompson in it and uh, Kevin Bacon was having a baby. I don't know. I don't think I've seen some kind of wonderful. Anyway, John Hughes did intend to direct the movie himself, but wasn't able to because of scheduling conflicts, which honestly, I do think if he had directed it, the jokes might've come up, might've played a little bit better. Uh, Cause you know, when look at the breakfast club, uh, the movies that he wrote and directed, uh, not that ones that he wrote aren't funny. You know, he wrote home alone. He wrote national lamp. I don't well, I think, I don't think he directed, I don't think he directed Christmas. Maybe he directed the first one. I don't remember. I think go back and look. Uh, but you know, he, he is a good director and usually when a, you know, not talking to you, Rob Zombie, sit the fuck down when a good writer director, you know, when a good writer is directing his movies and he's a good director, then usually there it's a, the payoffs are a bit better, you know? So we'll see that for example, in plane trains and automobiles, which he directed, uh, and wrote, and he wrote in weird science. He wrote and directed breakfast club, uh, 16 candles, Ferris Bueller's day off wrote and directed. And uh, actually, next week, too, Uncle Buck as well. He wrote and directed that. So I think there, as we'll see on the second half of Candy Month, it, you know, uh, I know uh, Doomslayer, I know, you're, I know you, you're Doomslayer, you're out here talking shit about John Candy because you didn't like Armed and Dangerous. I don't think you like Great Outdoors. But I'll tell you right now, Doomslayer, you're going to like Uncle Buck and you're going to like planes, trains, and automobiles. Or I'm going to take your little chain, I'm going to wrap it around your neck, and I'm going to choke your bloody lights out. You hear me, Doomslayer? Come get some. Oh, there you go. That was my <laughs> first wrestling promo, everybody. First wrestling promo. So, uh, yeah, but uh, just just joking, Ben. Of course, hopefully, uh, maybe we'll get a response from Doom Slayer on YouTube. Oh, we'll see. Maybe he's got his own YouTube channel. Check out such Doom Slayer on YouTube. Uh, more on that in the at the end too. Or like to uh, talk about the current antics of Doom Slayer. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the movie movie was uh, the. Let me start over. The movie was originally going to be titled Big Country, which is dumb. Great Outdoors makes much more sense because it's kind of a play on where, you know, it's a pun. I guess not technically a pun, but it's a play on, oh, yeah, the great outdoors. Look how fun they are. And obviously, you know, in the movie. Uh, And I thought this was kind of interesting because, you know, we we talked, we did our Go Deep month where there were three underwater movies all in production at the same time, all released, I believe, the same year when we had Deep Star Six, Leviathan, and The Abyss. we had two comedy stars from Saturday Night Live go to the woods movies come out right around the same time. One being this one, the other one being the aforementioned Chevy Chase in Funny Farm, which I did see that one in the theater because my parents wanted to see it. So I guess my parents liked Chevy Chase more than they liked John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. And uh, I haven't seen that movie since the theater. And I just don't remember it being funny because I always thought of Chevy Chase as uh, Fletch, Fletch Lives, and... uh you know, the Lampoon stuff and Funny Farm just didn't do it for me as a kid, but I haven't seen it. So maybe we'll revisit that a little later down the road. Because, uh, again, literally have not seen it since the theater. Just do not remember finding it entertaining. Maybe it was – and, again, maybe it's because I was a kid and maybe it's more of an adult uh, funny uh, kind of joke, getting the jokes kind of thing. Anyway, uh, they both came out the same month, just two weeks apart. Both released in June 88, just two weeks apart. But the funny thing is – Hughes's first choice for Dan Aykroyd's role was Chevy Chase, and he had written it for him. And he wanted to get Chase and Candy back together for a film, but Chase committed to Funny Farm, so obviously couldn't do it. And after Chevy back or wasn't able, he he considered Bill Murray, but Murray was kind of on a hiatus from acting until he Scrooge this same year. He just wasn't doing movies for some reason. I'm not sure the story behind that. But then it was Candy himself who suggested Dan Aykroyd because they were close friends and Hughes had never worked with Aykroyd. So he was like, oh, yeah, I want to work with Dan Aykroyd. Let's do it. And that's how it came to be. And it's funny because uh, later on, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, and John Candy would all later appear in the 1991 classic with a question mark, Nothing But Trouble, 
which was Dan Aykroyd's directorial debut, by the way, and it shows. Uh, but uh, nothing but trouble, much like the Great Outdoors, would in, event, would basically were critical and financial failures, but ended up being kind of cult favorite movies uh, in their own regard. So, but uh, the scene where Chet and Roman are trying to catch the bat, which as a kid I remember that being so so funny. And watching it last night, I was like, this isn't very funny at all. Uh, but again, as a kid, I thought it was hilarious. But in that scene, there's a, uh, when uh, Roman knocks it down with the broom and the bat falls on the floor, he goes, we got it, we got it! Which is, I'm not sure if it was intentional, but it's the same thing he says in Ghostbusters when they capture, capture Slim, uh, Slimer in the hotel. So I'm not sure if that was just, uh, what sort of, serendipity? Is, is that the right use of that word? I don't know. I'm not an English major. Uh, or coincidence, whatever whatever the correct term is that I'm either using or not using. Same thing he said at Ghostbusters. <laughs> subliminal. Could have been a subliminal thing because Ghostbusters, of course, came out four years earlier. So overall, score-wise, I give it a five. Again, I don't think it's terrible. I mean, or, 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 terrible is too strong. But I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's great. Like I said, I would call it the good outdoors, and that would be that would be sufficient for me at this point. But again, as a kid, love, final, thought, final thought on it. As a kid, I loved it. Or I remember it being so much better than it was as an adult. Eh, meh. Not bad, not good. And we'll leave it at that uh, for now. But let us know what you think. 80svisit at gmail.com. And in the real world, again, this released June 17th, 1988, three days before this hit theaters. A small wildfire was started by a lightning strike in Montana near the boundary of Yellowstone National Park. Uh, It was eventually to be known as the Storm Creek Fire, and it expanded over 750 thousand acres of Yellowstone and it burned, which equated to 36% of the park's area before they gained control of it in late September. So it burned let's see, June all the way to September and took out 36% of Yellowstone National Park. Mm. And of course, forest fires are a big thing all over here. Climate change, man encroachment is honestly the biggest thing that kind of drives it too as well. And all that, so always ashamed to hear about that kind of stuff. But nevertheless, nature, life uh, <laughs> finds a way, and uh, everything comes back better than ever. Uh, back to the future this week. I was so excited to talk to you about Dune, Jesse. But you had to filter some of that disappointment you had last week when I still hadn't seen it to this week. So now I know yeah. how you feel or felt last week. Yeah. But we'll, so we'll talk about the new Dune next week when Jesse's voice is back to normal, hopefully. Uh, but I did see uh, a new now. I have some strong opinions about actors I like and don't like, you know, obviously. Uh, and one of the actresses I just never really cared for, never thought she was that good or as good as people were telling me that she was, was Jessica Chastain. I'm not saying she's a bad actress. She was terrible in X-Men Apocalypse or whatever, or Dark Phoenix, whichever one it was. Uh, you know, I'm not saying she's a bad actress, but I just never got her appeal while people are like, oh, yeah, she should have won the best actress for Zero Dark Thirty, blah, blah, blah. But she's in a new movie with Andrew Garfield called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Bad name, but it's about the Jim Baker, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker scandal uh, from the 80s. So it's also time-wise, appro- time frame appropriate for this podcast. But I fell in love with her in this movie. Uh, I'm basically in love with a fake person because she has all these prosthetics on and all that. Of course, I mean, facetious when I say in love, but I, she won me over with this movie with her performance and her acting in this film. She was amazing, lo- like lovable, strangely enough, uh, not strangely enough, but if you get what I'm saying, I mean, because she's playing basically a religious greedy zealot. Uh, and I mean, zealot, not a zealot's too strong of a word because, you know, people who follow Jim Jones were zealots. Uh, I wouldn't say Tammy Faye Baker was a zealot, a strongly Christian unaware of her greed lady i think i i I don't know i don't know how to describe it appropriately to be fair to tammy faye the real tammy faye who passed away a few years ago but uh i think she was i don't know that's i gotta think more about that how to word that correctly (laughs) so i'm not impolite to the dead uh but the movie is i'm not sure if they meant for it to kind of play as a comedy but it really kind of plays as a satirical comedy almost uh, to me at least, but she was amazing in it. She did a lot of her own singing. Uh, it's it's exceptionally well shot. Like I didn't expect it to be, I didn't expect to enjoy this movie as much. I thought it's like, oh, it's it's kind of a biopic. Uh, I remember this. I remember this story as a kid. Everybody knows Tammy Faye Baker because of her makeup and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know the the whole story, but watching the mo- the movie's great. 
I really enjoyed it. If she got an Oscar nomination, I'd be behind it so far this year. I think I think she she did great in this movie. I I now am a fan of Jessica Chastain because of this film. She did so good and was just so enjoyable to watch in this movie. Uh but yeah, so I reckon you know, it's kind of an Oscar bait kind of not bait kind of movie, but it's kind of you know, I don't know. I found it funny but also eye-opening because it, it all these people on the far religious right in America who pretend to be about values and protecting the family and all this stuff. They're all fucking greedy scumbags. In case you didn't notice people. And if, <laughs> and look, Hey, look, if you donate to Joel Osteen, it's your money. Do what you want to do. The dude's a charlatan. All right. Nobody who does, who no. Uh, okay. Uh, let me take a step back before I, I piss anybody off, which, you know what? If I piss you off, sorry, it's the fucking truth. If I had to align my religious beliefs, I would say that I am a Christian. So that being said, these people, Jim Baker included, uh, Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, uh, our own local hero, so to speak, Jimmy Swaggart, mm-hmm. uh, all these people. When churches are million dollar, when you're going, when you're watching somebody in a million dollar church, they're not doing it for the reason they should be doing it. That's just my opinion. Think you know, you, just like politics. I think people get into politics or they get into preaching for the right reason initially and the world just swallows them up. If, if you kind of understand what I'm saying there, you get greedy, you think you get powerful, you misuse it. You know, you're talking about, you know, helping the poor on this hand, but you won't do anything to help them on the other. You're a slime bag hypocrite if you do that. And that is rampant in organized religion. I support religion, anybody's religion. That's fine. But when, you know, not any religion, because you know Jim Jones <laughs> was. He said he was a Christian religion, and look what happened there. You know, there, there's religion is a horrible, is a very sharp and finely tuned double edged sword. Uh, I guess I'm on a soapbox again. <laughs> I better stop while I'm ahead. If I'm even ahead, I don't know if I am. Uh, bottom line is my watch the movie. It's very entertaining. I think Tammy Faye Baker was a wonderful lady in terms of intent of what she wanted to do. For example, uh, here's a perfect example. Jerry Falwell, who, you know, preached fire and brimstone and the, the moral majority in America and helped Reagan get elected because of the far religious right. You know, the same people who say, oh, God loves everybody. And then what do they do? They go around holding signs that say, I hate gays and burn in hell, F word, and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's what what God are you talking about? I don't know. Again, I'm trying. Let me kind of keep it kind of streamlined here. But you know, mm. Tammy Faye Baker as a person, she had she on their show. They they had one of the largest cable networks of all time. And a lot of uh, there's a documentary that this movie's based on, also called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Again, bad name. They should have named it something else. I think it would might have came over better. Uh, the documentary is great. It gives you all the factual stuff. And the movie was pretty pretty good with the facts, which I love. I love fact checking biopics and based on true story movies to see how far from the truth or how close to the truth they stay stay or stray so to so to speak documentary is good the movie's even better it's the movie kind of gives you actually really good information or i wouldn't say you need to watch the documentary unless you want to see the real people involved in it but uh you know tammy faye baker they had the big one of the biggest networks on cable because they had a satellite back then having one satellite made you made the difference between 3 million viewers and 20 million viewers uh back then and uh she had on a religious program, which honestly, even now is kind of unheard of. She had on a gay man who was dealing with AIDS and talked to him, not like some sort of freak, but as a human being. And you can actually watch that video on YouTube. And, you know, that is what, that, that is awesome. You know, that's religion. I mean, I'm not gonna speak for any religion. Christian, I'll, I'll, let me stick with what I know. Uh, you know, if you read, you know, I'll read the Bible and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, what part of the Bible are you reading? Because we're not under the Old Testament. You know, if, you, if you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus. So therefore, you know, and of course, again, I'm not a religious scholar either. I'm just talking my heart right here. You know, so sorry to get religious on a job on this episode. <laughs> but uh, my point is, is that, you know, oh, well, oh, oh you know, if, if you turn the other, or I think Jesus did say turn the other cheek. Uh, you know, oh, it says in the Old Testament, if one eye offends and pluck the other one out. Maybe, I can't remember, I don't know who said that. Maybe Jesus said, I don't know. But, you know, the people will quote, what I'm, let, me, let me stop misquoting things that I don't know and get to the gist of it like I've been trying to do for five minutes. Uh, sorry if you already turned off the podcast. See you next week. Uh, <laughs> you know, people take things from the Old Testament when we were, you know, if you read the Bible under Christian lore or uh, uh, 
tradition, I guess. I'm not sure which, what's the best way to put it. Uh, you know, you're under the old covenant, and then Jesus comes, you're under the new covenant. And Jesus is like, hey, just love everybody. Don't be an asshole. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. There is no, you know, 80s visited version of the Bible. It'd be very short. It'd be very simple. Uh, but I think it would get the message across. It's like, don't be a dick. Love people. And, you know, you, when I see organized religion, I don't see that. I see people saying we need, you know, if with this book, these proceeds will go to help the homeless in our area. And guess what? Just like Susan G. Coleman, you know, 10 cents of your dollar goes to help people. Where's the other 90 go? To fix the fucking roof on the billion million dollar building that you have because a hurricane blew it off. Because you're a stuck up asshole and you have, pri- you know, no preacher needs a private jet. Okay, let's be honest here. Mm. You don't need that. God says I needed this private jet to spread the word. No, he fucking didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. When you get, when you stand, you know, it is my personal belief, and I don't expect it to be anybody else's, but when you stand before your maker at the end, if that's your religion, if not, hey, you're good. You know, it's the story of the knight and the, and the priest walking away from a battle. Long story short, the knight says to the priest, uh, you know, what are you going to do when you die or what, when you die and you're wrong? You know, he's like, oh, well, the priest says, oh, guess I lived a good life. You know, I did. I helped people. I did what I felt was right. You know, the knights out there womanizing all this other stuff. And he says, and then the, but the preacher, sa- the priest says, what are you going to die if I'm right? You know, what are you going to think? Well, he, the knight's fucked. It's kind of the gist of the story. Hmm. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, if, if you're. You know, that's the same thing about, you know, movie opinions. If somebody has a religion, unless they're in Scientology, because that's a fucking cult, or if they're in a cult, get them out of it. Get the help you need. I'm here to help you. Whatever I can do on this podcast, let me know. Uh, you know, but, you know, if somebody's like a Christian, if somebody's a, or a Protestant, a Catholic, you know, come on, Irish friends. Don't blow each other up. Just, you know, hey, you believe that. I believe this. It's cool. Because neither of you are right about killing people. Anyway, sorry for the religious <laughs> tirade. Yeah. Let me take a break. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Whew. That soapbox keeps coming I back. Said, I said, I said, <laughs> I need donations now to spread this ministry of 80s revisited across the across the airways of Qatar. <laughs> no, no. Don't need that shit. I just need, need y'all's comments to let me know how we're doing and your reviews, good or bad. I love them. Uh, but anyway, also, so I was a new, can't talk about Dune. Uh, I recommend the movie. I thought it was very good. It was very entertaining. It was like a two- two hour plus movie i think and it seemed like it went by fast for me i, I enjoyed every minute of it uh vincent d'onfrio is in it too he shows up well acted well shot very well done uh all my best of the year so far i'd say it would that and i can't say where because i have to look at all the movies but uh yeah i would say it's one of my favorite films of the year so far and we only got a month and a half left so i don't think it's gonna get knocked off it's definitely not number 10 but uh also just found out announced yesterday one of my favorite bands of all time that broke up in the early 2000s stabbing westward are coming back for a new album they released the first single and it fucking bangs uh so uh of course they're not an 80s band they, although they did cover bizarre love triangle uh so they, they have covered some 80s songs and they also covered simian angel i think that was 80s well they formed the, the band in 1985 so oh hey i didn't know that well <laughs> uh go to their un yeah ungod came out what in the 90s though didn't it they're yeah. On God was, that was their first album, 93. Yeah, so their first, at least big release, or, you know, that, of course, I first heard of them on their second album through MTV, Wither, Blister, Burn, and Peel, where most people probably heard them with, what do I have to do? And also, uh, one of their greatest songs, one of my favorite songs of all time, a song called Shame, is also on that album, uh, which also, if I ever if I ever did a top 10 music videos, not of all time, the music video for Shame would probably be in the top three for me. It is an awesome, cool video. That's tell, it tells a story. It shows the band, and it incorporates the two. It's a great music video. It's, it's incredibly well shot for a music video. And the song is fucking awesome. Uh, although, honestly, I, most people, if you don't remember them from Shame or What Do I Have to Do, uh, their album Darkest Days was pretty big because it was in a lot of uh, – movies uh save yourself you know most people might remember that song if they don't the other that's stabbing westward but they were very hard they were very kind of metal and they were like uh metallica meets nine inch nails that's not a fair comparison uh but that, that it's kind of you know you get that heavy crunchy metal uh that's not like i would say you know we're not, i'm not talking slayer heavy you know uh, i guess you know 80s heavy metal mixed with 
nine inch nails industrial kind of get, get you stabbing westward. Uh, I'm sure I can think of a better comparison, but that's close enough. Check them out on YouTube. Their new album comes out in March, the first one in like 20 years. Uh, in fact, me and my my best friend Jason, at a, there's a local place in Baton Rouge where we live called Clicks. Uh, the lead singer and I think one of the guitarists from the band after Stabbing Wester broke up, they had a band called The Dreaming, which was also pretty good. Christopher Hall is the vocalist. He sings in both bands. He's, I, I really like his voice. Got a very unique voice. Very good songwriter. And uh, we got to see the, his band, The Dreaming, at Clicks and got to meet him. And I was like, you know, that's the only like musician I've ever met. But he's Stabbing Westward is legit one of my favorite bands of all time. Of course, you choose my favorite band. Uh, and the people are giving them shit because they're doing songs for the Sing 2 soundtrack, which I don't fucking understand. But whatever. Go listen to your fucking, you know, squeaky, squirt gun, stinky, smelly, whatever they call Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly because he's a fucking douche. Uh, and that's, that's a fact. There's no debating that. If you like Machine Gun Kelly, kindly don't listen to this podcast anymore because he's a fucking douche. Uh, <laughs> that's tongue in cheek. That's tongue in cheek, everybody. <laughs> I just can't stand the guy because he's a fucking pedophile. He wants to date. He wants to have sex with underage girls, and that's not cool no matter how old you are. So you know what? Fuck him. There's my opinion of him. If you like him, if you like his music, fine. But I think we, you should agree with me that he's a shitbag human being. Wow. There, there's Jesse. I just looked down. There's like eight soapboxes in front of me. <laughs> Shit. Sorry, everybody. It's turned into kind of a, a rant episode about several things. <laughs> Woo. Has to get off your chest whenever I can't talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just see Jesse. You, you, you know, you're the uh, you're the you're, you're like my uh, the filter. What a tray filter. What a kids take on ADD when you know what was they prescribing to kids on ADD? Adderall? I don't know. I don't know drugs. <laughs> I just know marijuana because <laughs> it's California. Whatever. You're, you're the drug that they give kids with ADD on this podcast to keep me reined in. <laughs> so this is what happens when when Jesse's sick. So everybody send good vibes to Jesse. <laughs> but uh, anyway, enough on that. Yeah. So bottom line, great outdoors. Call it the good outdoors. Worth revisiting. Watch the eyes of Tammy Faye. I thought it was great. And listen to the new Stabbing Westward and all the old Stabbing Westward. If you like, excuse me. If your if your taste kind of align with mine, seriously, they're fucking awesome. They are a great band. They only got a few albums, and there's only a few stinkers. I wouldn't even say stinkers. Well, I mean, every band's got some stinkers, but you know what I mean? Like most of their songs are fucking solid and they're actually about shit that if you've ever had a bad relationship or a breakup or lonely, it hits those buttons. Kind of what I, most of us felt in high school. Cause that's when I found them. So mm. junior high and high school was stabbing Westward for me. So the soundtrack of my high school years, pretty much. So check them out. Uh, read the Facebook message. So yeah, don't forget email agevisited at gmail.com. On uh, Facebook, 80s Revisited Podcast. On Instagram, 80s underscore revisited. And as always, check out our good friends, uh, good friend John with the Cajun Toy Review. I mean, he cranks out. I wish I had, had his budget for toys, man, because Jesus Christ, he's got a ton <laughs> of them. Uh, but he's, he has some really good in-depth reviews. So if you're into toy collecting, check that out. And also you get – John has a sexy, sexy Lafayette accent. So listen to that. And speaking of accents, uh, our good friend Doom Slayer. I'm calling you out, Doom Slayer. I want to hear your rebuttal. You're weak, Doom Slayer. You're nothing to me. You understand? I ain't even stepped in a wrestling ring and I can beat you with words. Come on, mate. Show me what you got. All right. I've thrown down the metaphorical gauntlet, Ben. Hit me up. Anyway, but uh, Ben Wyatt, uh, check out Doom Slayer on YouTube. Or it's L ah, – again, I need to – Ben – let me know how to pronounce it. I, I, you pronounce it in your videos, but I, I just I never put it to memory. El Hidge, El Hidge, the Doom Slayer. I'm doing a disrespect. I'm not just, I mean, no disrespect, Doom Slayer. I'm not disrespecting you. Nothing but love, man. I just can never remember how to pronounce <laughs> pronounce the first part of the name. But TCW, check out TCW, Tasmanian Championship Wrestling, and look out for the Doom Slayer making waves in TCW. And check out his YouTube videos because I find them very entertaining myself so but anyway everybody we'll be back next week with everybody's favorite uncle uncle buck as we talk about uh you know if you're like oh man john kenny had a whole month and you know armed and dangerous and great outdoors these were i didn't care for them or maybe you did not saying you didn't but you know if, if you're like wow why are they talking about this guy so much i'm about we're about to show you why 100 percent, i can say without even watching uncle buck again for the first time in a couple years it's fucking great so there's your spoiler. Or will it? You never know. Mm. But of course, we're going to end with plane, trains, automobiles, and there's no fucking way <laughs> my opinion will ever change about how fucking good that movie is. So yeah, next week, Uncle Buck might have a surprise guest, at least or an interview to plug in sometime throughout the week on that. Still working on some things. 
uh, for that. And then, uh, of course, the week of Thanksgiving, you know, are for you to listen to while you're getting trampled or avoided. Actually, I should make that joke because of uh, that uh, concert right, where people got right. trampled. Uh, while you're fighting for your uh, no, uh, while you're trying to get a television or whatever you're trying to get on Black Friday, have your AirPods in. You can listen to our episode on planes, trains, and automobiles. So that's it for me, Jesse. If you can manage, you'd like to say goodbye. Yeah. But until next week. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh wow, live everybody. Woo. Anyway, <laughs> until next week, I remain. Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Candy Bunga. Candy Bunga.